You are listening to African Perspectives with host Brother Oshi on Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit them up at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Listen, people, 
to African Perspectives, where we view the issues of our day from an African worldview and African-centered perspective. This program is unapologetically African. It is a custom in the African tradition to ask elders for permission to speak, having been granted permission to our ancestors whose shoulders we stand on, to our elders whose shadows we walk in. I greet you, my dear brothers and sisters, in the language of one of the greatest civilizations on this planet, it gave the world the basic disciplines of knowledge of science, math, architecture, music, writing, law, religion, you name it, we did it. The Greeks called it Egypt, but they called themselves Kemet, and Kemet means land of the blacks. I greet you all in the Kemetic language, the word of peace, Hotep. It is truly an honor and a privilege to pour libation because we truly do stand on the shoulders of those who came before us. We're going to use water because water has no enemies. Water is the great cleanser, the great purifier. Everything on the planet that lives, it needs water from a tiny microscopic organism to a tall redwood tree. We pour water into the earth to invoke the spirits of our ancestors and we say the word ashe, which simply means so be it. So we pour this libation to God for all that God has done and for all that God will do. We sashay. We pour this libation to Mother Africa, birthplace of all humanity, everyone who has lived, everyone who will live in the future. We all have a common ancestral root in Africa. We pour this libation to the classical civilizations of Africa. I mentioned Kemet in the opening. Kemet was the height, the apex, the zenith of African high culture. But there were others as well, as Tymeri, Punt, and Nubia. So we poured a libation to the classical civilizations of Africa. 
You say, Ashe? We pour this libation to the contemporary civilizations of Africa, of Ghana, Mali, Zangai, Benin, Great Zimbabwe, civilizations that were flourishing and growing while Europe was in a medieval or dark age. The University of Sankare at Timbuktu, an outstanding educational institution. So we pour this libation to the contemporary civilizations of Africa. We say, Ashe? We pour this libation to the Ma'afa, the holocaust of our enslavement, the Infakani, the great tragedy, uprooted out of Africa. Our brothers and sisters lay a carpet along the Atlantic Ocean. We're in North America, South America, Central America, and throughout the diaspora. So we pour this libation to our brothers and sisters who suffered the Ma'afa, the Infakani, the holocaust of our enslavement, the great tragedy. We pour this libation in their honor and in their memory. We do not know their names, but because of them and their sacrifice, we are here. So we sashay. We pour this libation to those who fought against enslavement. If you ever heard me do a libation, you will know that we were not slaves. I repeat, we were not slaves. We were captives. What does a captive want to do? Get free. So we pour this libation to all those men and women who fought against enslavement. In fact, I maintain that some of us are more of a slave today than we were in our initial captivity because some of us are a slave to vice, to corruption, to drugs, sex, and violence. So we pour this libation to those who fought against enslavement. Gabriel Prosser, Nat Turner, Denmark Vesey, Harriet Tutman. We always resisted. And we will always resist. So we pour this libation in the name and the honor of those men and women who fought against our captivity. We pour this libation to those unborn, those young men and women who will once again lead us back on the stage of human history as a free and proud and productive people. We sashay. We pour this libation to brotherhood and sisterhood together for the union of family. We need each other. We don't have good family life. There's a saying, conditions shape conduct and consciousness. The conditions in our community are bad. The conduct towards each other is not good. Because why? We lack consciousness. And consciousness is more than just awareness. Consciousness is a deeper understanding of who you are historically, who you are culturally. So once we begin to understand the importance of brotherhood and sisterhood together for the union of family. Brothers and sisters, let us all say, Ashe, Ashe. You are listening to Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts or live programming, hit them up at timeforanawakening.com. Good morning, African world. You are listening to African Perspectives here on the Motherland Media Network on timeforanawakening.com and blacktalkradionetwork.com. And I am your host, Baba Oshi, Hotep family. Hope everything is well for you today. We're going to have a good day. After all, it is Wednesday. You can get over the hump. So if you get a chance to do all the things you want to do, should do, must do, can do, and will do, and I hope the weather will be accommodating for you to do it. But of course, if it isn't, and it has to get done, it must be done, and you'll, do, you'll get it done, but of course, you'll do it intelligently, cautiously, because, man, it's, it's hot. 
<laughs> I don't you passing out, man, and dying of heat stroke and all that kind of madness. So be cool. That's all I got to say. Be cool. You're listening to the African Perspectives. We're here every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m., 10 to 12 Central, 9 to 11 Mountain, or 8 to 10 Pacific, or any other time around the world. But if you cannot listen to this program live, you can always go to our archives at timeforanawakening.com. At the top of the page, you'll see podcast. Click on that. And the drop down, you'll see African Perspectives. Click on that, and there will be programs that are dated and titled. But of course, you can do it the easy way. Just go to whatever search engine you use, you know, Google, um, Firefox, whatever, and put in babaoshi.net. Babaoshi.net. B A B A O S H I.net. And once again, there will be programs that are dated and titled. Other programming we have here on Time for an Awakening Media. Once again, this program is every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. All times I'm going to give our Eastern times. On Tuesdays from 8 to 10 p.m., Black Reality Think Tank with Dr. William Rogers from 8 to 10 on Tuesdays. On Fridays at 8 p.m., time for an awakening with Brother Elliot and Brother Richard. Time for an awakening at 8 p.m. On Saturdays from 7 to 9, the Sankofa Elders Council from 7 to 9. And then on Sunday at 7 p.m., once again, it's time for an awakening with Brother Elliot and Brother Richard. And the number to call is 215-490-9832. 215-490-9832. I have a guest today, a good topic. I have Dr. Bruce Bridges, my good friend with, you know, Brother, this is uh, dealing with the African mind, recapturing our African minds. I, man, I can't say it enough outstanding book and um but we're going to talk about american africans in athletics i'm talking about american africans in athletics a good conversation we're going to have so i'm going to read the nya say sim of daily revolutionary thought and then right after that i'm going to introduce dr bruce bridges and we're going to get into this discussion and of course you can join us at 215-490-9832 215-490-9832 July 19th, in fear of being African and standing for our people, we run and seek, we run and seek shelter under church corner steeples. If in fear of the devil, you run toward religion, fear should not have been the basis for your decision. Precise science. Any religion or belief system which leaves us powerless before other men or in indifferent servitude to them is our enemy. We are already divine. Therefore, all of our spiritual investments should be geared toward enhancing that. They should always recognize the fact that we are born without sin. Let me repeat. We are born without sin and they must move us toward becoming as pure as possible in an evil social and cultural cesspool. No we are not perfect, but that should be the aspiration. Righteousness should be the goal of any spiritual guidance we embrace. Eons ago, our ancestors concluded that we are here to be tested, to see how we can develop through the trials and tribulations of being human and its accompanying spiritual crises. Those of us who have come to realize this move in my art. 
they have risen above the madness while others holding onto their fears of physical consequences and the emotional penalties of acting righteously have failed miserably. Their denial is immense and in some cases so intense they, that they have fully submitted to mind-numbing appetites like self-serving religions and spiritual systems which allow them to rationalize their refusal to be their spiritual best. Affirm, I seek the asylum of no religion. Affirm, I seek the asylum of no religion. And Inye Sasim is always on point. Always. July 21st. Excuse me, July 20th. The limits of tyrants are prescribed by the endurance of those whom they oppress. The limits of tyrants are prescribed by the endurance of those whom they oppressed. Frederick Douglass. We have no business sitting in judgment of our children. Parents who act as slaves deserve children who act as slaves. When we act out in shock and anguish over our children's thoughts and behaviors, we should we show our own childishness and refusal to be the men and women we so loudly proclaim we are. It is beyond ignorance and in many cases beyond stupidity to prevent that which can close our eyes to the insanity of this reality and expect our children to somehow not be caught up in it also. We say that they are beyond reason, but if this is so, it is because we have allowed others to make them so. We cannot do the work of protecting the fragile lives we have been blessed to bring into this reality and expect them to somehow miraculously stand above the mirror we permit into what should be their sacred protected space. They become what we have allowed. Affirm, I open my eyes to this insanity so that I can find ways to destroy it. Affirm, I open my eyes to this insanity so I can find ways to destroy it and not let it affect our kids. In fact, <laughs> on Facebook, this, this, this quote came up. This generation of children, this generation of kids today teaches us why our parents whooped our asses. <laughs> I said to myself, man, that is, that is a good one. This generation of kids today teaches us why our parents whooped our asses. Yeah, yeah. Although I'm not a big proponent of ass whoopings, you know, I'm a, I'm a proponent of when the child comes out the womb of nurturing and guiding and instilling discipline. And discipline is different than punishment, family. Discipline, when you instill discipline into your child, you're giving that child the idea and understanding of having order in their life. Self-imposed order is discipline. When you instill discipline, that child knows the difference between right and wrong and will do what's right. Because outside of discipline or opposite of discipline is punishment. And I hate the fact that this society uses the word discipline when they mean punishment. But because punishment has a deep connotation to it, they use discipline. Those who have gone to education like Dr. Bruce Bridges, you know, Hey, Dr. Bridges, how you doing? How you doing? 
I'm all right, brother Ocean. How are you? I'm all right, brother Ocean. What about you? Yeah, I'm doing. Man. I'm doing well, sir. I'm doing well. And I'll see okay, you. I'm doing fine this morning. I, I enjoyed your. I'm enjoying your your introduction. You could have kept on doing the whole show. <laughs> <laughs> no, I got to get you on, man. We got some good conversation coming up. But I was speaking about disciplines. You uh, have taught college. You, you of course, you uh, went through the process of attaining a doctorate. And and uh, what do they call those studies? They call them what? Discipline. discipline. They call <laughs> discipline. You have to be disciplined to do it. Thank you. Not punishments, disciplines. That means that your ass can't be playing bid whist or spades all the damn time, <laughs> hanging out with your friends, partying and shit, and, and getting. No, you got to be disciplined. You got to be disciplined to go through the rigors of higher education. Really, you got to be disciplined to go through the rigors of life correctly. So, anyway, family, there that is. <laughs> but, um, I'm, I'm talking to yeah, you, 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 and you know, since you mentioned being weird, you, you, you took my mind back to those, uh, <laughs> those undergraduate <laughs> days in the student union, boy, they playing big right. weirds all the time. I know they were, man. I know they were. And they had a pool, pool room, had a, you know, we had a pool yeah. room in the student union and a uh, place to play cards, have a jukebox and there, yeah. ping pong tables. <laughs> man. Yeah. yeah, so you're right yeah. about that. You're, you're that was, right about that. That, and, was a, that was a good social <laughs> life, wasn't it? That was a good yeah, that's exactly that, that's that's exactly what it was. And then mm -hmm. you know where we were here in North Carolina, they had a railing just before you enter the student union. Two railings outside, uh -huh. uh, between the uh, uh, border and the sidewalk. And whenever any of the sisters came to the union, brothers be hanging out, leaning on the rails and listening <laughs> <laughs> to music. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I Doc, can see that. Doc, Dr. Dr. Rogers, I t told him I was going to be on, so he said he was going to listen to the day he had something else to do. Good. He was going to listen. He can, re he can relate to what I'm talking about. I he know knows he the real ends. Yeah. And, and, uh, and, and the other guests that we have, too, Brother Fahim, too. He's a good brother. He's okay. going to be on, too. Okay. Yeah, well, listen, brother, brother Fahim, if you're on now, Brother Fahim, uh, hit star twice on your phone. That lets me know that you're in the queue here, and we can introduce you, and we can uh, get this. Uh, party started, brother Fahim. Okay, there you are, brother Fahim. Go ahead, brother Fahim. Hotep, 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 dear brother. Um, can you hear me? Well, yeah, we can hear you. Hotep, first of all, brother, thank you, Baba, for that affirmation. You, you could have went. On and on <laughs> with that African affirmation. Well, appreciate I, it. I too, I too was enjoying that. Well, thank, thank you. Thank you so much for that. Right on. I and, appreciate and it. Thank you for having me. Right on. <laughs> and Brother Fahim, brother before we get started, I told him, too, you know about hanging out on that rail in front of the studio, don't you? <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. As an undergraduate. That was what we did. Mm -hmm. Yes, and, and, and see, brother, brother Fahim is from New Jersey too, brother, brother, brother Ocean. Okay. Now, he lives in North Carolina. He's he's from New, he's a New, New Jersey man. Right on. Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of us, you know, understood as, as uh, in terms of uh, going to a higher education and how we were treated. Although, you know, we're everywhere now, but it, you know, we were alienated and ostracized in these Caucasian universities. You know, in, in yeah. particularly in the north, and so we knew too that uh, those schools down there uh, in the south, those HCBUs, 
showed us the love and gave us the attention. The, 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 the educators understood they're preparing young men and women to deal with the madness of this, uh, uh, of this system for their lives. Mm -hmm. So in terms of going into those schools, coming out, you were prepared. You were prepared for whatever occupations that you wanted to get into. You were prepared for your life. But, you know, and so that's why, to me, I, I know many people who have gone on uh, when, when they uh, finished high school up in the north, went to ACBUs in Ohio and, of course, in the south, Alabama, Tennessee, right. Mississippi, you know. And, and, and what's and interesting, what's interesting, let me say this because we're going to talk about the sports piece. The Super Bowl that uh, with that with Georgia was in with uh, the Falcons, the Falcons and the um, uh, Patriots, where the Falcons blew mm -hmm. that. The Falcons blew that because they should have won that damn game, but they blew it. But <laughs> but the, I think it was the pregame. I believe it was the pregame. They brought out the ACBU brothers who are in the Hall of Fame, Bobby Bell. You know, I saw that. You saw that. Remember that? Wasn't that beautiful? Wasn't that, that great? Wasn't that great? I saw that. Yeah, it was. Yes, and, and, I and, saw that. And see, the, the, and the, what the sad reality is, which of course, uh, 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 Coach Primetime, Deion Sanders is trying to do, is get players and others interested once again in the HCBUs, Jackson State, Tennessee State, whatever. And get those good players because I'm old enough, and I know both of you old enough <laughs> to remember when none of us were at these Caucasian colleges. I am a fan of USC because USC had Jimmy Ray had a black quarterback. <laughs> when when Wisconsin's whole team was white in 1963, mm -hmm. you know, although they had Beathard as a quarterback then, but later they had uh, Jimmy Ray as a quarterback. But when they played in 1963, that's one of the early games that I remember, Wisconsin in the Rose Bowl. And they put a battle up, but they, USC beat them. But the point I'm making, you know, is that when I saw progressive teams, you know, I gravitated to that. I mean, I remember when in the Southeastern Conference, we're loaded today. At every, damn near every position on the University of Alabama you know, is us. Every position, maybe uh, except for uh, offensive line. But I know all on the defense and all the right. skilled players are us. The quarterback now is us. But right. you were 30, 40 years ago, that, that wouldn't even be the case. Yes. You know, and beyond. That's a good lead into our discussion too, brother. So you, yeah. you're right on. That's that's good. That's that's that. You, you're absolutely right. And I since you mentioned Jimmy Ray too, I think Jimmy Ray, uh, Fahim is from down there. Uh, 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 e. e. Smith in Fayetteville, North Carolina. Jimmy Ray that he's talking about. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But 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 you're right, brother Osha. D D D. And and since you mentioned Dion, I gotta give it to brother Dion, and 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 because I think too about uh, uh, how these black colleges would have beat the big white schools because all the talent is in the black man's genetic makeup and. Earl the Pearl could have gone anywhere yeah. if it wasn't for segregation. Right. So I'm glad Deion Sanders is trying to let these black athletes understand that 
if you are good, they will find you anywhere. That's and since right. We're talking about athletics. Uh, I've had I had some friends who who claim they go to the white school because they get the prime time on television, they get the publicity and all that kind of thing. But any time, uh, uh, which is our topic, any time. Um, uh, 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 Coach, coach, what's his name? Uh, UCLA, help me out. Old coach, uh, back in the day, coach UCLA for when Kareem was playing. Oh, oh, John Wooten. John Wooten right. was the coach. Anytime yeah. John Wooten, thank you, brother. Ocean. Anytime John Wooten can leave UCLA, which is on the west coast of the United States of America, come up in a big city uh, in, in Los Angeles, California, come all the way across from a big city, way across from California, to a little small town in Franklinton, North Carolina, on the east coast, and find a brother shooting hoops in the backyard of, of the woods named Henry Bibby and take him to UCLA, then they'll find you anywhere. So that whole argument about I want to get the publicity and be on television so I can be seen, if he can find Henry Bibby down in Franklin, North Carolina, whose brother also played pro baseball and mm-hmm. Henry played right. pro basketball, right, mm-hmm. and, and, and about, an, about an hour from where Brother Fahim and I are from right now, if John Wooden can, Wooden can do that, they'll find you anywhere. That's right. That's right. <laughs> And and now and see what what uh, was interesting to me, and I knew there were many other guys. And I've been watching professional sports since the early '60s. You know, Elgin Baylor was my idol, man. I've been watching NBA basketball and football. I never forget the 1960s. I got, I got an argument the other night about, about with, with a brother who's the best, Elgin Baylor. I was talking about it was Baylor. He said, "No, it's the Big O." So I don't know. Go ahead, brother. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the Big O had the had the triple doubles. You know, but but Elgin. Yeah. Elgin was a, Elgin Baylor was a transcendent player. You know, he brought moves to the game. Elgin Baylor, uh, he brought flair to the game, man. He he, I'll tell you, man, I love that dude. I love Elgin Baylor. But anyway, I, um, one of the things that that uh, in professional sports, I remember uh, in 1963 where the Packers played the Detroit Lions on Thanksgiving Day, and of course the Packers were a powerhouse, and 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 that day. Uh, the Detroit Lions sacked Bart Starr, the Packer quarterback, pro Hall of Fame quarterback, about eight times and dusted them cats mad, you know. And I just loved it. I mean, in my earliest remember remembrance of, of, of a sporting activity was the um, 57. I was about five years old when my mother was jumping and hollering because the Milwaukee Braves, when Hank Aaron and all those cats, beat the New York Yankees in the World Series. Yeah. Beat the New York Yankees in the World Series. So, But the, the, the deal is this, is that in professional sports, in all other life, the dominance of us in the game of it is real. And, and, um, and you know and I know they tried to make it not so. They were discriminatory in every way. Because like I said, we're, yeah, we're older now, but this is not long ago where all those uh, sports were predominated by Caucasians, but they could not deny the athletes, the athleticism and the genetic athleticism of American Africans in the, in them team sports. We were faster. We were stronger. We were quicker. You know, I mean, especially basketball and football and even baseball. But the fact that we don't play baseball, particularly now today is much. I mean, you know, they had to, uh, uh, all-star game last night 
and I, I think a brother it was the MVP of the All-Star game because he had a couple of brothers that hit home runs for the American League, and American League won again, you know. But the dominance of us, you know, it, it's just something that just cannot be denied. But the thing is this, Dr. Uh, Bridges and, and Fahim, you know, that we're dominate in every realm that we are unabated to, you know? Whatever, whatever we, wherever we can apply ourselves without restriction, without prejudice, without discrimination, without racism, we can dominate. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Let, let me interject. Yes, thought. please. Go ahead. Thank you. Thank you. Let me go back to um, prime time. Prime time is standing on the shoulders of Eddie Robinson yes. at Rome University. Yes, so that's right. When, yeah. you talk about, when you talk about coaches and black coach icons, you got to point to Eddie Robinson. Yes. Number one. Yes. Number two. Um, Clarence Big House Big out, Game. Big House Game. Yes. Now, right. Mm-hmm. Eddie Robinson once was the winningest um, football coach in um, um, college football. Right. So he was a big fish in the tank. Then Clarence Big House Games was once the winningest basketball coach in America. Yes. Okay. So when you look at Deion Sanders, you have to, you have to look at Oh, okay. Look at what Eddie Robinson did. Now, he sent more black players to the right. NFL than any coach in um, history of um, um, college football. So I got to pay homage to what Eddie Robinson did. Yes. And also, also, look at his, his tenure. He was at that school probably, what, 45, 50 years. Yeah. He didn't he, he saw the plan all the way through. He didn't have a six-figure contract. Right. Okay. He, he didn't have a, um, this, this upscale stadium. But he was committed to those black students, those black players. So Dion Sanders has a perfect example before him, which was Eddie Robinson. Right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And, and, um, and, 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 and his brother Osha always says, too, Brother Fahim, you've heard it before. He, you know, he, we have to realize that we're standing on the shoulders of giants, right, Brother Osha? That's right. That's right. We are. Those yeah. who came before us, man, just like in the libation. You know, those men we and are. women That's right. That's why paved I said the that. way. Right. And, in the and, libation. Yeah. That relates right back to the libations that you pour every mm-hmm. Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Mm-hmm. Because if it hadn't been for the foundations of Kemet and the foundations of Tamari and the foundations of Ethiopia and, and Maramotapa right. at Zimbabwe and those civilizations, that's what we're standing on top that's of. That's right. And you see? So uh, we, 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 we just can't forget that. Right. And, and, and of course, those men... And, and, and women who labor, just like 
you know, the uh, Wilma Rudolph. I, I was in love with Wilma oh, Rudolph. Yes. <laughs> her sister was so fine. She was beautiful. And in fact, uh, her story came out on uh, for made for television movie back in the seventies. But I, I, I remember her, you know, from the from the sixties of Rome and so forth. Because Muhammad Ali was there, and you know, when I fell in love with Muhammad Ali, I loved Muhammad Ali deeply. Uh, even while he was uh, in his younger days, was when he was all braggadocious and and Brags, talking stuff. Oh, and braggadocious, yeah, yeah. What he? I loved him, man. <laughs> I'm a knock. He he was messing around in seven, so I had to put him out. In I mean, messing around, so I had to put him out in seven. He's gone to heaven, you know, stuff like that, you know. <laughs> but Ali, I, I, but then of course I really loved him when he became a member of the Nation of Islam. And and he had the courage to tell those crackers what time it was. I, I for somehow for me, I like strong men. I love Malcolm. I, I, not not to say I did not like King because King was a strong man too, but King was pushing for Caucasians to act right, do right, and be right. Malcolm understood they weren't. They weren't going to do that, you know. And so Malcolm, uh, I appealed to Malcolm because that, well, number one, I'm 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 a product of the late '60s. And when I was in high school back then, we marched for, for, for uh, walked out of school for black history, did some marches. I was a member of the NAACP Youth Council. So I was in that kind of environment, uh, uh, you know, went to some Republic of New Africa meetings and, and, and Black Panther meetings. And so I, I, I gravitated know, that. Yeah, go ahead. I just wanted to, wanted to add something too, Brother Ochi, uh, to what you're saying, not to cut you off, but what you just said is very important. Brother Fahim and I were talking about it uh, this morning before we, you know, before we tuned into your program at about 10, 15, 10, 30, we were talking the fact that it makes a difference when you have been involved in struggle. Now, let me go a little further, then I'm not going to talk long because we got you and Brother Fahim, you got the audience that want to call in. But when you've been involved in struggle, it makes a difference. And when you said what you said about your history, that reminded me of the fact that I look at a lot of the young uh, 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 people who, uh, and I hope Dr. Rogers is, is tuned in, a lot of young people who are uh, members of the Association for the Study of Afro-American Life and History, College Woodson's organization, and who are the members of the Black Study uh, 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 campus departments on campuses all around the country, and Nicole Hannah-Jones and all the other ones' names I can't call, Ta-Nehisi Coates and other people who are talking black stuff, but who have studied and read in the libraries and on the computer in the classroom and YouTube, but they have not been involved in struggle. I see. And I that makes mm -hmm. a difference in the, the character of the human being. It makes a difference in the perspective that they, uh, their analysis is viewed from and all kinds of things when you have not been involved in struggle. So I want to make that point clear to our listeners and to, to, and to just uh, just chime in on what you were saying. That is, it's important that we as people, as Africans in this country, be involved in struggle well-rounded than just reading in the library. Not that that's not important. Because I've done that, too. Yeah. you got to do that. Yeah. But 
to, 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 to as I used to hear Stokely Carmichael say, he used to say you, you you have to get out there and get it, get in the pool and swim. Somebody can talk to you in the classroom mm. about swimming, and mm. we can take courses on swimming. But until you get in that water, that's right. You don't really <laughs> learn to swim. That's right. That's the that's the thing. So, you got to be intricately involved in in this, and it's and it's that it's that way today too. Just like because you mentioned Tanahasi Coates and many others who are just outstanding scholars and wrote some good stuff, right. you know. But have they physically, you know, been out there, you know, doing the necessary work that needs to be done still today, as it was in the '60s and '70s? You know, still today. That's right. You know. and, and if you notice too, now you just made me think of something else. As you, if you notice too, that uh, 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 people like Tanahisi Coast and people uh, uh, who are uh, public intellectuals and who are given a lot of press and a lot of attention, media, white people are more comfortable with them, mm-hmm. who are classroom. Uh, productions as opposed to somebody who has come in off the streets yeah. and uh, say like a Kathleen Cleaver or I, mean, I mentioned her because she's still around mm-hmm. or uh, someone like you know who's still around or yeah. Bobby Seale they're more comfortable with somebody who has just learned it in the classroom right. and who hadn't been in the water and learned how to swim from actually being in the pool you know well, what I mean Well, because those brothers and sisters have been hardened by this They and, and, and of course they're going to come real crash they ain't going to you know, they're damned to intellectualism. You know, this is the, you you know, our, you our people are suffering. You know, this situation is evil. This situation is bad when you're talking about the criminal injustice system and uh, 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 the miseducation of our children, the prison, uh, the school to prison pipeline, the uh, health care situation, you know, all of those things. So those who articulate that best, you know, in terms of having that feeling, Caucasians really don't want to deal with them. <laughs> you know, they're really exactly those, right. those I've, no, I've, I've, I've noticed that they don't. And and I'm and I and I haven't told Brother Fahim about this. Now, I didn't mention Dr. Rogers, but I put in an application, uh, 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 Fahim, uh, uh, to do something in African studies at a university in this area. Won't call their names now, but my point mm-hmm. is that people, there are people that, and you know the brother. I tell you about it later, Fahim, off the air. But they, this brother is a part of the, is, is a member of the department, young brother, no experiences, been to school, but no experiences, and they'll take him over somebody like me who's been to school and has experiences, but they don't. They they have to be comfortable with you in these right. black studies departments too. Is is my point, which is the same thing. To go back to our point, to stay right on our subject with the athlete, they are they were uncomfortable with Muhammad Ali. They mm-hmm. were uncomfortable with Colin Kaepernick. Mm-hmm. They're uncomfortable when you stand up and speak yeah. out. You see. And and, yeah. and and white people are not, they, they 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 don't they don't feel good in their uncomfortability. They no. really don't. Well, the thing is this is that if this is their system. This is their stuff. You know, and and all we consistently try to do is be a part of it. And 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 we played the game by their rules, and we beat them at the game. And so what happens when you do that? They change the rules. You know, uh, for mm-hmm. so long within the the, the team sports. You know that we have been denied access to until you just couldn't deny us because we were too damn good. <laughs> and if you wanted to win, you had to have us. It's just like it's just like track and field. As I was watching the Olympics about twenty some years ago, in 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 the track and field, we were dominant. We were so dominant that the European countries, 
you know, started, you know, because many of the European countries also still had their colonial ties, unfortunately. So they would go back to, so they would go back to Ethiopia, they go back to Kenya and get some distant runners. They go back to, to, to Nigeria, they go back to Ghana and get some sprinters, you know, and so, so they could compete and they could get some medals. And so the brother from Ghana, the brother from Ethiopia or sister, you know, she wins a medal for uh, whatever European country, you know, that, uh, uh, that, that sponsors them, you know. And I was like, damn, you know, just like uh, a Daily, what was his name, Daily something. But he won the decathlon for England. He was a brother. He won the decathlon for England, you know. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, he, he, it would have been cool if he'd have won the decathlon for his native country, for his indigenous country. You know, mm. but that still that still happened mm. today. You you got some brother Fahim? Yeah. Well, just just want to say this. I I think that Bakhnai Makba sums it up. He says the chains and images of psychological slavery. Yes. So when when imperialists and colonialists, he he still is ruling. Um, the country and the minds of our people mm-hmm. on Africa. So when you see the top-rated athletes in England, in Spain, Portugal, Germany, France competing, um, many of them don't have the knowledge of self. Mm-hmm. So the, the slave master uses them not for their benefit mm-hmm. but for the benefit of the the, the neo colonial right. agenda um, right. money fame okay um, 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 notoriety attention coming to let's say France mm-hmm. but those athletes came from Lagos or Accra, Ghana, or Namibia, or Kenya. That's right. Those, those countries are not getting that variety right. because Europeans is still exploiting um, our labor. Mm-hmm. There's a book called, right. um, called um, um, Black Labor, White Wealth. Yeah. By Dr. Claude. Carl Anderson. Anderson. Yeah, by Carl Anderson. Yes. Dr. Anderson gets into how the white man commodify our labor for his benefit. Mm-hmm. You see? So when you look at um, Europe and Brother Bruce has given many lectures on the Berlin Conference. 1884, 1885. Yes. How European powers went into Africa, did what? Divided Africa up. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so when they so-called left Africa, their DNA and footprint, economically, politically, and socially, still remains That's in right. Africa. That's so, right. So you take, you take. The World Bank, International Monetary Fund, all of these um, 
um, entities that's controlled by Europeans. They dominate the country from an absentee perspective, but they still rule Africa today based on these variables and factors. So that's it's, right. it's so much. It's so much that's um, <laughs> interconnected. Right. You know, we're talking about the black athlete, but it's all interconnected because we don't get reach the minds of our people. Then uh, you can be a six foot eight, two hundred fifty pound Negro athlete that that just big and strong, but doesn't have the cultural, historical, intellect to deal with white supremacy. I'm just a big six foot six Negro. Yeah. But Muhammad Ali, 1960 in Rome, he fought as a light heavyweight, but he, he shook Rome up. But he met a man named Malcolm X and Elijah Muhammad. That that changed a Negro Cassius Clay into an African black man who knew how to stand up, speak for himself, because he had come into the knowledge of himself. Right. Like you, Baba, I, I, I admired Muhammad Ali. Right. Louisville, Kentucky, you know, the positions he took. And to this day, he has to be one of my favorite athletes in all, the whole world. That's right. For what he, he did. That's right. He's yeah. mine. He's brother, o, he's brother Osha's favorite, too. Brother that's Osha right. said that. He's, that's right. That's his of favorite. Of all time. You know? Yes, he is. Yeah. And, and you and you know and you know, brother Osha, brother Fahim said something too that reminded me of my book, the chapter in my book where I talk about uh, 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 training of Negroes as compared to the training of horses, mm. and I talk about the study that I had done in horse training, and that I found that when the stallion of the uh, herd is pulled away from the herd by the master or the horse trainer, if that, that stallion, like Brother Fahim said, is is, 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 is big and strong and like a black, a black basketball player or football player, mm -hmm. six foot eight, mm -hmm. 240, 50 pounds, mm -hmm. but just as meek and humble and docile and will take anything at all from the slave master or from other people for that matter, but especially from the slave master, that's just like in the horse kingdom, that particular stallion is castrated. They physically castrate him. Now, what Brother Fahim is talking about, these athletes, these black athletes, football, basketball, baseball, they've been mentally castrated yeah. or mentally cut. They've been cut mentally. But the Caucasian uh, white horse trainer will cut the testicles from that big, strong stallion and take his nuts and throw them away. And then that big, strong stallion has the strength, has the uh, will and the perseverance and the physical attributes of a stallion, but he's still humble and weak and docile. Right. And they call him a they call him a gelding. A gelding. And I talk about this in my yep. book. They call him a gelding. Yes. And many black men today are geldings because they've been gelded by white America. Right. They've been neutered. Mm. 
they've been neutered. That, that's just, the way, yeah. they, now they call they use that term neuter. I think that's yeah. what they, in, yeah. the, in the cat kingdom. Don't they? Yeah, that's right. They, oh, is that right? And yeah, and they yeah. call it spade in the dog kingdom. Yeah. Is that right? That's right. Right. So you got neuter, you got spade, and you mm. got gelding. So, yeah. th- and this is another thing that goes back to to what Brother Fahim said. Mm-hmm. That is all of the things that we're talking about in terms of the black American athlete and our subject today is related to multinational corporations and related to money and finance in the same way that what we're talking about in terms of the athlete is, is, is even related in the plant and animal kingdom. That's all. Go ahead. Well, listen, brothers, we got some callers. We got a lot of callers, and so we're going to try to get to them. Oh, man, I tell you, let me give this one caller here because we're gonna we will take a break at the top of the hour, close to it. So let me get in four zero four four five three four zero four four five three. Good afternoon. Well, good morning. Hey, Ochi, how you be, man? Hey, Research West, what's up, Research West? How you doing, dear brother? That's hey, I'm still learning. Learn, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, you got it, bro. You yeah. got it, bro. I'm just listen to the conversation. Y'all right, man? My sports and. Entertainment ain't nothing but high tech slavery. Yeah. And uh and uh used to be black in the day. Y'all remember when we had Ali, Bill Russell, uh uh Jim Brown and Kareem was speaking up for for us. Yeah. But now these all these athletes now have been butt broke and these actors been butt broke, uh, I E uh the left off of what we were talking about before last sure. week about uh to make it, you got to uh, buy it down to the system. And I'm sorry that the brother got mad when that dude, they making these brothers cross-dress and put on, act like women. They started that shit with Milton Burrow. Remember Milton Burrow back yeah. in the day when he, yeah. he, he put on the dress? Yeah. Well, that was Milton yeah, but then it's also t- translated yeah. to Flip Wilson and a whole number number of yeah, them. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, the truth is the fact. The truth is the fact, man. And you want to make your way up this this system? They only let they got a. Uh, I read what one of these Kazarians said. They're only going to let a certain number of black people make it, man. Yeah. To, to show us. So it's all the game, man. It's all the illusion, man. So the truth is the truth. And the fact is the fact, man. If yeah. you are bucking against this system, they're going to, because they, they put up the people that they want, that serve and they purpose with their married members, a ammunition. And so you, you, you it's all the game, man. man. Yeah. yeah, you know it, man. So whoever what? my enemy, they, my enemy pick to put yeah. in front of me, uh, I ain't going for it. If I don't yeah. pick pick my uh, my heroes uh, and my uh, leaders, whoever the enemy pick, I damn sure ain't, ain't gonna go I with heard them. That. If, if they say it's day, I say it's night. So you're right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's I right. Do opposite. the opposite of the system, man. Do the I opposite, you. and you go you. a long way, man. Yeah. All right, brother. So whatever Bryce. they say, do. Yes, sir. Peace and blessing. I continue to listen. I oh. love you, Mister Bridges. You shot, man. You know the story. All right. Thank you, brother. <laughs> yes, brother, my brother, brother Research West, man. He's always providing good information. Yeah, we're getting close to the top of the hour, but we're going to uh, – I want to play a piece when we get back from the break. Uh, from it's, a, uh, it's from the $40 million slave book by Bill Roden. And, uh, oh, good. Yes. And it's a breakdown. It's a breakdown of, of the consequences of what he's talking about. So we'll have a lot of discussion as soon as we come back from that break. So I'm going to take that break now. So when we get through it, we'll have a lot more discussion. And those who are hanging on, um, I see we got a number of uh, 919s, and 505s, and 404s. So I'm, I'm really happy about what we, we're having here. So you brothers hang on, and uh, 
We're going to uh, be yeah. right back. Brothers and sisters, you're listening to African Perspectives here on the Motherland Media Network on Time for an Awakening uh, and Black Talk Radio Network.com. We'll be right back. You are listening to African Perspectives with host Brother Oshi on Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network for podcasting or live program scheduling. Hit them up at time for an awakening at gmail.com.
the groove slightly transformed Just a bit of a break from the norm Just a little something to break the monotony Of all that hardcore dance that has gotten to be a little bit out of control It's cool to dance, but what about a groove that soothes and moves romance? Give me a soft, subtle mix And if it ain't broke, then don't try to fix it And think of the summers of the past Adjust the bass and let the alpine blast Pop in my CD and let me run around And put your car on cruise and lay back Cause it's the summertime And checking out the fellas to tell them who's best Riding around in your Jeep or your Benzos Or in your Nissan sitting on Lorenzo's Back in Philly we be out in the park A place called the Plateau is where everybody go Guys out hunting and girls doing likewise Honking at the honey in front of you with the light eyes She turn around to see what you beeping at It's like the summer's a natural aphrodisiac And with a pen and pad I compose this rhyme To hit you and to get you equipped for the summertime Definition of summer madness. listening to time for an awakening media part of the black talk radio network for podcasts or live programming hit them up at time for an awakening.com welcome back brothers and sisters once again you're listening to african perspectives here on the motherland media network on time for an awakening.com and black talk radio network.com yeah i'm talking with brother fahim and, and dr bruce bridges talking about american african athletics the athletes and what we have gone through 
you know, um, are you there with me, Bruce Bridges? Dr. Bruce, you there? Brother Fahim, you there? Baba, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. I'm here. All right, good. Well, listen, um, I was telling my daughter, she went to the uh, Kentucky Derby. This was a few years ago. And I said to her, I said, hey, did you know that about 70, 80 years ago, all of the jockeys were African, (laughs) were black? Because you... You know, I've never seen in my lifetime that I can remember seeing a brother in the Kentucky Derby or the Preakness or the Belmont Stakes, black jockeys. That's right. You know, they, they, the Caucasian. Mostly, mostly, that's a little known fact, Brother Ocean. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I've but never seen it. I, I got a real thick book on that. Uh, it's called it's called uh, Black. Oh, it's called Black Jockeys. Black Jockeys in the first. And when you look at it historically, it makes sense because who was it taking care of the horses? Of those horses. That's right. <laughs> See, and 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 as, as, as I said to her, I said, you know, some of us may be trainers, and not a lot of us even are trainers today. We are carers. We take care of horses. We feed them and shovel shit. But basically, right. that's that's about it. We might walk them out there and put them in that stall in the gate, but that's about it, you know, because all of those things now are dominated by Europeans. But uh, one of the things that uh, we're going to talk about in this, and it touches on this piece I'm about to play, is is the amount of money that is generated by us as athletes to a system that is dominated by Caucasians, particularly in the coaching area, administrative area, and so forth. In fact, um, I, Bill Maher said this some years ago. He said, March Madness, the NCAA tournament, the big tournament that generates billions of dollars. He said, March Madness mm-hmm. really is, he said, March Madness really is a stirring reminder of what America was founded on, making tons of money off the labor of unpaid black people. And that's a damn fact. In fact, even today, uh, uh, I, 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 back uh, in March or it might have been March, April, um, Nick Saban got a little heat because of how he approached some coaches whose players were taking advantage of the image, name, image, and likeness. Now, personally me, I'm glad, but I don't really like it. Because that's mm-hmm. still individual. That's only a few people who can benefit from that. You know, there are some young men who are in basketball and in football at these major universities who are playing who are not going to be able to take advantage of that. So a few of them would. But the point still being is that Nick Saban and, oh, man, I, I, I'm going to tell you who I really can't stand, uh, uh, Dabu Sweeney. I can't stand his ass. And the reason why Dabu Sweeney of South Carolina you know, oh, yeah. Clemson, Sweeney, Sweeney. yeah, mm-hmm. Clemson, because mm-hmm. because when he was told years even before this image and likeness about paying college athletes, he was so adamant about not paying college right. athletes, and That's I just right. you know so ad- <clears throat> no, you know you shouldn't be paid, but yet his ass has made millions. That <laughs> son of a bitch has made millions. <laughs> You know, and all of these athletes are, and all these athletes that he has are us. He feels that's they right. shouldn't get that's any goddamn that's thing. That's 
you know. You know, brother. Oh, it, it, it makes you angry. It's, yes. I know why you're talking like you're up here. And, 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 and you know, you and, and when you mention the black jockey, it's the same thing. I'm yes. Gonna, I'm, I'm going to cite. I'm going to cite three quick examples sure. about how they try to change things when it comes to us being involved, such as the money, but also. We know what happened when Muhammad, when 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 uh, um, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was doing all the ducking. You know, ducking was outlawed. They changed right. that for a while. Remember right. that? Oh yeah. They, as soon as and he got you, into college, and, and then you remember they changed they changed the distance or the height of the mound on the baseball field yes. because of Satchel Paige. You know about that? Yes. And, Bob and also, another, my third one, is that you mentioned the black jockey and your daughter going to this Kentucky Derby. They made it a, 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 a rule or a regulation that in order to ride a horse, they made you get a license. You have to get a license to be a jockey. Now, come on now. you got to get okay. a license to ride a doggone horse. Okay. <laughs> so, so whenever we get involved, whenever we're involved in anything, they want to put the, 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 right. the, the bar higher. Yeah. And well, put the goalposts further away. Well, once again, you know, it, it, what, what the European has done in, in, in its dominance of the world, and, and that just being real, you know, him putting himself into a position of dictating to the world what's happening, you know. And, and, and even here, uh, we was moonshining, you know, and we was making some of the best hooch there is. But then what That's happens? Right. They license that stuff. We were we had the policy. We had the numbers. We were running the numbers. Some cats, as they say, booked in numbers, didn't need paper or pencil. You know, <laughs> you know. But then what happened? They co-opted that too with the lottery. So whatever it is that is happening, they're gonna take it That's over. And they're gonna dominate. They, they, and, and they're doing the same thing with the, what they're doing with the cannabis now. Yeah, exactly. Here it is. Here, it, hey, 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 Doctor Bridges and Afim. Here it is. Brothers have been busted. They in prison to this day. But now these little rich Caucasian kids in all these cannabis stores and, you know, uh, uh, and so forth. And they selling it outright. I tell you, boy, yeah, they something else. Yeah, the European is something else. Let me interject something that's important. Let's go back to NCAA. There was a basketball player named Ed O'Bannon. Ed O'Bannon, yes. Played for UCLA. Yes. Back in the early 90s. He was probably drafted NBA around 94. Right. Well, Ed O'Bannon only played two years NBA and probably played six or seven years overseas. But this is what stands out with O'Bannon. Um, the UCLA and NCAA was still monetizing. Yes, off his image. Likeness yes. of his image. He said, wait a minute. We're not making any revenue from this. So Ed O'Bannon sued the NCAA and said that our intellectual property should have some value to the college athlete. Right. Now, to his credit, one of the biggest historical black athletes, Oscar Robertson, joined in 
was on bat, and they mm. challenged the NCAA. Now, which it started a narrative and conversation mm-hmm. that the college athlete should be compensated. Yes. So we have to measure um, some of the conversation in increments of success. Because mm-hmm. if it wasn't for Ed O'Bannon, um, legally questioning all the money that athlete has graduated, right? They're, they're still showing images of him and other athletes. He said, "No, you have to compensate us for this." Mm-hmm. So when you look at mm-hmm. the of paying college athletes. Look look at the billions of dollars that this NCAA has made. Right. We stay in Durham, North Carolina. Right. Mike Chesuki, the coach of Duke University. Oh, please. Down That's another a show. Multi-million dollar contract to coach um, the Lakers years ago. You know why? Because he makes so much money at Duke as a NCAA coach. It's unimaginable. So I supported the effort of Ed O'Bannon. So wait a minute. We have to share some of these um, dollars with OCs, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. So I wanted to throw that out there. Right on. <laughs> yep. Going back to what you said, Brother Ocean, real, real quick, standing on the shoulders again. These athletes mm-hmm. are making all this money. They mm-hmm. don't know why. They're just making money. And right. Can't, can't, right. Can't well, stand you know, up for you, nothing. That's right, because you know what, the, uh, what uh, Oscar, Oscar did and Kurt Flood. Yeah. You know, all of these cats, yeah. they Kurt. challenged that because uh, prior to that, you were like, you were, no, I'm not like property. You were property. You were just property. I had your contract. Yeah. You play for me. I dictate to you. Now I don't want you. I trade you over here. You have no say. You know? Yes. See? So let's, yeah. let us get off into this, and then we'll get back to the conversation. All right. Yeah. All right, brothers. This is outstanding. Yeah, yeah I'll tell you. Okay. What's up, beautiful people? It's Caden with Urban Finance. Today, we're going to be doing a brief review of The $40 Million Slave by William C. Roden. But before we jump into that, make sure you smash the like button and subscribe to the page for more amazing content. Why are today's athletes so lost? The answer lies in the fact that they have lost their mission. Historically, black athletes have always had a connection with the larger African-American community, a sense of the legacy of struggle that made possible this generation phenomenal material success. This sense of mission has been a cornerstone of African-American survival, a source of strength and inspiration. Black athletes have symbolically carried the weight of a race eternal burden of proof. Their performance was among the most viable evidence that black, as a communities were enough, smart enough, strong enough, brave enough, indeed human enough to share in the fruits of this nation with full citizenship and humanity. 
And if black people were to be given the same fair shot that many black athletes do, then they will also dominate any industry that America has to offer. Unfortunately, today, many black athletes have little or no sense of who or what came before. There is no sense of mission, no sense of the athletes as part of a larger community, as a foot soldier in a larger struggle. Black athletes of an earlier era were forced by upbringing and circumstances to see themselves as part of a national community. This is no longer the case. Ignorance of the past makes it difficult for black athletes today to unite and confront the issues of the present. Today, when the black athlete, while potentially more powerful than ever, has the least drive to do more for their community in comparison to any other time in history. While now they occupy a position where they can be more than a mere symbol of black achievement, where they can actually serve their community in vital and tangible ways, while also addressing the power imbalance within their own industry from a position of greater strength, they lack purpose and drive. They stand as living active proof that it does not necessarily follow that if you make a man rich, you make him free. Sports on the plantation were used as a diversion to dull the revolutionary instinct. Many slaveholders felt that contests such as the Harvest Festival and early American form of athletic games were an ideal way for slaves to safely take out suppressed anger, aggression, and hostility. They felt that the competition dulled the revolutionary inclination. Frederick Douglass agreed. Douglass did not like fets and festivals and was generally suspicious of sports. Douglass felt that such festivals were only safety valves and conductors to carry off the explosive elements inseparable from the human mind when reduced to the condition of slavery. But for these sports, the rigor of bondage would have become so severe for endurance that the slave would have been forced to dangerous desperations. While plantations owners needed slaves to participate in sports to sometimes win money for them, such as when they made them fight other slaves, they were also keenly aware of the dangerous nature of allowing slaves to come together, especially in a team-like manner. This is one of the reasons that in 1797, the city of Fayetteville, North Carolina, passed a law prohibiting African-Americans from playing baseball on Sundays. This early history of the African in America offers a first glimpse of the difference in sports culture between African-Americans and European-Americans. The Jockey Syndrome. There was a time when during horse racing, you would primarily see black jockeys. One of the best ones was Isaac Murphy, and one of his most challenging races was against the White Hope Garrison. Their big race was in 1890, and Murphy won this race, which gave him even more fame and wealth. Many of the best black jockeys, like their professional basketball counterparts today, earn salaries and enjoy notoriety unthinkable to fellow African Americans, particularly in the South. What would Murphy have said if someone had told him, as he basked in the flow of his Coney Island success, that black jockeys were racing towards extinction? If the response of contemporary black athletes is any indication, he probably would have laughed in his questioner's face. During the interview for this book, black athletes routinely said without hesitation that they thought the likelihood of such a black vanishing act was virtually impossible. The black presence in contemporary sports has become so well-defined, so deeply entrenched over the past 50 years that many fans, both black and white, as well as players, feel that the current situation always was and always will be. Even as the NBA actively grooms as many non-black players as it can, players from Europe or Asia, players who don't bring along with them all the street baggage of black stars. Grand Hill sees this 
idea as preposterous. People are too used to seeing the game played at a certain level, Hill said. The league needs us. That's what Isaac Murphy also thought. Within 20 years of Murphy's defining victory, the black jockey have all but disappeared. It wasn't because black jockeys grew too physically big or because of an exodus from the sports or from an exodus from the south to the promised land in the north or because blacks gravitated to more prestigious occupation. African-American jockeys disappeared because of confluences of powerful forces, owners, and trainers who stopped hiring them. White jockeys ganged up on them, and the jockey clubs systematically denied the re-enlisting of blacks. Black riders became victims of the jockey syndrome, or changing the rule to fit the need, the need to maintain control in a face of a perceived challenge to white supremacy. The jockey syndrome is distinguished by a changing of the rules of the game when competition began to gain ground. It usually involves a series of maneuvers to facilitate racist outcomes, including the taking away of previously granted rights and the diluting of access through coercive power and force, a phenomenon that was common outside of sports as well. Black Americans would see that clearly when the Civil Rights Act they celebrated in 1875 was almost completely overturned by Plessy v. Ferguson case of 1896. The jockey syndrome has been the primary mechanism in American sports for tilting the seemingly level playing field of sports away from equal opportunity and towards white supremacy. In short, the conspicuous success of black jockeys led to their demise. Just as black jockeys fail to organize and accumulate an ownership stake in their industry, contemporary black athletes have little ownership stake and thus are vulnerable to the same jockey syndrome. Arthur Rube Foster sought to redefine, celebrate, and make sense of the African-American presence in the United States. He started the National Negro League, the NNL, in 1920 for black baseball players. This was because they weren't allowed to play in the white games, and this was the perfect catalyst for Foster. As word spread about his plan to organize a black baseball league, there were attempts by the white-run Eastern League of Colored Baseball to buy Foster out. Nat Strong, the founder of the White League, offered Foster a team of his own and the opportunity to play in a $100,000 stadium. Foster turned down the offer because for him, it was about principle. Integration in sports, as opposed to integration at the ballot box or in the public conveyance, was a winning proposition for the whites, who controlled the sports industry complex. They would move to exploit black muscle and talent, thus sucking the life out of the black institutions while at the same time giving themselves credit for being humanitarians. While black bodies dominate on the fields, white people dominate in the administration at every level for every type of sport. Black represents 3.9% of the total number of head coaches in all three divisions. Segregation at the administrative level in sports was and is a protective tariff for whites. Power without heart and strength is meaningless. Kurt Flood was the first player to invoke the comparison of the plantation metaphor in connection with professional athletes that I can remember. At the time, he was probably the best center field in baseball. In 1969, he was traded from St. Louis Cardinal, where he had played since 1958, to Philadelphia. Flood was stunned because he didn't want to be traded. After all, he was still crushing it with his current team. But Jim Tooney, the Cardinals' vice president, told Flood that he had been traded. Despite his time and stature in the game, Flood had not been given the courtesy of a call or a warning beforehand. Nothing he was given. He was traded, just like that. That's how business was done. Athletes of his generation were powerless to determine their fate. They had limited option, but Flood refused to go to Philadelphia. He wrote to then-baseball commissioner Bobby Cunn, 
that after 12 years in the major league, I do not feel that I am piece of property to be bought and sold irrespective of my wishes. But that's exactly what he was. In fact, that's what all athletes were. So many of pieces of property to be bought, sold, or discarded as the owner saw fit. This was and still is allowable in sports because athletes are supposed to be grateful for the opportunity. Flood lost his case against the owners primarily because many of the other athletes would not back him. Many of them admit later that they were just too scared to challenge the owners. The same things happen even today, and we see it with Colin Kaepernick. Major intercollegiate sports today function like a plantation. The athletes perform in an economic atmosphere where everyone except them makes money off their labor. In the revenue-producing sports of football and basketball, athletes are the gold, the oil, the natural resources that make the NCAA engine run and its cash registers ring. This is even heightened when we consider that black people are locked out of these administrative positions where the money is being made. For black people in sports or any other industries to truly advance, we must get to a place where we don't settle for the individual success, but rather use what power we have to remake a system to ensure fairness and the possibility for future success. All right, family, thank you for watching. If you haven't already, please smash that like button and subscribe to our page. Like I always say, remember to live your best life. That's right, live your best life. It's tough out here. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. 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 Wasn't that good, man? Wasn't that Excellent. good? Yeah. Excellent. It was on point. Excellent. Yeah. Okay. Yes, go ahead. Yeah. Um, I, I, I just want to say that First of all, he's on point. Um, and, I, and I'm going back to Kurt Flood. Um, um, all the athletes, both black and white, right now, owe a sense of gratitude yes. to Kurt Flood. That's right. Flood stood up in 1969. Um, he lost the case United States Supreme Court. He lost. But if it wasn't for his legal agitation to say, no, we have a right to at least determine, um, mm -hmm. you know, yes. trade it. And, and I think um, his sense of activism has to be rated high because the black athlete and the white athlete has become the present-day beneficiary of what Kurt Flood did. That's right. I say O'Shea. That's right. It's the same thing. Yeah, O'Shea, O'Shea. And it's the same thing with Oscar. So you look at what those men made and what they did in that sacrifice allowed these guys yeah. to make tens and hundreds of millions of dollars. Some of these cats, yes. some of these contracts I've just seen in the NBA. I mean, like right now in the NBA, there's yes. guys who are, you know, the last person on the bench making a, over a million dollars. Yes. You know, who probably sees very little time, if I, any at all, but they're making over a million dollars. Rookies coming in, rookies, haven't played a minute in the NBA, making tens yes, of right. millions yeah. of dollars, you know. And and, 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 you, and and everything we've been talking about, Brother Ocean, and not to, not to take it too long because I know you're going to get, get some calls, but that whole production that you just played, one thing he said stands out to me, and that that's what prohibits uh, uh, the activism and the uh, confidence in athletes today. And if you, if you recall, the last thing the brother talked about was what? Fear. 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 
Yes. Which also goes back to our plantation training yes. of where the slave master put fear in the slave right. for wanting to be free and made an example of him by taking away his heavyweight championship, uh-huh, or taking away his belt, mm-hmm. or letting him not get a contract, called him uh, Kaepernick. Mm-hmm. You see, they put fear in us mm-hmm. and make examples of us today in the same, in, in other ways, but it's very similar to what they did on the plantation when yeah. Nat Turner or Denmark Beezer stood up and they showed how they were going to react to what they had done. Mm-hmm. You see, go ahead. But anyway, but see, that's good. No, and you're right, because the bottom line is, that fear, yeah. that, 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 that fear cripples us. It, it, it causes us to be catatonic. We just don't move. But what if, what if those brothers and sisters said, bump that, we're coming together. I don't give a damn about the salary. We're organized. Right. Let's come together and organize and make a demand to the system for a, a, a different situation. You know, on a, on, on a college like level. Huh? Like I said on your show Monday, and that, uh, 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 they, I don't know what it takes for them to organize. They got all the money that they need. What, 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 what is it? It's just fear. I mean, you mm-hmm. know, they, they still can't stand up. Still yeah. can't stand up. Yeah. Well, well yeah. Anyway. Go, go ahead, Fatim. Let's talk about Yep, real quickly. There's a book called The Slave Community. I'm not going to get into it. But that's a right. wrote this book in 1976 as a Yale University historian. He said that slave plantation created three distinct personalities. The first one was Sambo. The second right. was Matt after Matt Turner. The third one was Jack. And he defined the levels of the sociological and psychological um, perimeters that this system had on the three slave personalities. I would say to the audience, get the book, yeah. and just read um, what that's in game maintain. I know callers are waiting to come in, so I'm going to stop there. All right, dear brother. All right, brothers yes. and, and sisters, join this conversation at 215-490-9832. There are a lot of you in the queue. I've muted you. You can unmute yourself by hitting star twice. Hit star twice if you got a question, comment, or concern. Okay, 919-768-768. Good afternoon. Hello? Nine one nine seven six eight. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, brother Oshi. Good can afternoon. Yes, I can. Go ahead. Yeah. Good afternoon to brother Fahim and brother Bruce. This is Herbie White in Durham, North Carolina. How you doing, brother? I, to, I know brother Bruce and brother Fahim know about this, but in college basketball, it all started right here in Durham at North Carolina College with Coach John McClendon. Yes. I know that and history. That I know that story. Game in 19, yep. And that secret game yep. in 1944. Against Duke. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. And, yes. Whatnot, and what those white teams discovered and what those coaches and administrators. Mm-hmm. And then you get 22 years later, 
and Texas Western Fields yes. an all-black team yes. against Kentucky and Adolph Rupp. Man, hey, listen, yes. listen. And, I will know, never, I will never forget where I was when I saw that <laughs> that Saturday afternoon. It, it just, oh man, just so deep. And of course, they they had a movie on it, but I never forget where and, I was when I saw it. Last that. year, last last college season, I watched the game with Kentucky, and all the players on Kentucky was black. Yep. I said they don't fucking turn over in this grave. <laughs> <laughs> and I just want to also mention before I go, uh, Mahmoud Abdul Raouf. Yes. Oh, yeah. Brother Fahim, go ahead. Take it, yeah. Brother Fahim. Take it, Brother Fahim. Yep, Chris Jackson. Let me say this real quickly. Um, his, his name was Chris Jackson, a player at LSU. He actually played point guard for Shaquille O'Neal yeah. at LSU. But Mahmoud in 91 stood up and said, I'm no longer Chris Jackson. Mm-hmm. I'm Mahmoud Abdul-Muth. He, like, like Kaepernick, he stood, took his back to the national anthem. That's right, to the national anthem. I loved and, it. And gave prayer I loved it. For, to Allah as opposed to showing allegiance to American flags. So we said, clots, hands off to our brother for standing up. Yep. That's right. Yep. All right, Brother Herbie, go ahead. No, that's all. I just wanted to mention those things. All right, you know, then. John McClendon doesn't get no. the credit he deserves. That's right. He doesn't. And he was a hell of a coach, yeah. too. And, and uh, yeah, I, I remember hearing about that story about uh, uh about Duke, Duke, yeah, the secret game, yeah, you know. Well, the, you know, I think the reality of it is in in in, in team sports, you know, um, we're predominant. Once again, and I'll say this again, we are dominant in every realm that we can apply ourselves to without restriction. If we could apply ourselves to things outside of sports without restriction, yes. without discrimination, without racism, without yes. we would still we would still be dominant. And that's the thing that, yes. you know, uh I remember when um uh Jimmy the Greek he got suspended yes. for saying it, but Jimmy the Greek said, Well we bred the the black athlete to, to be No he didn't. No y'all didn't we were superior from Jump Street. We were superior coming out of Ghana, out of Nigeria, out of Africa. Yeah. We were superior. You didn't breed us. I mean, that just angers me because what what the cracker is saying is we made you. We made exactly. you the super athlete yeah. that you are. And that's a damn lie. But what he was saying <laughs> is true because he's saying, well, if we allow them to play quarterback, then what positions are there for us? None. You know, it's just like in basketball. You know, what what very few Caucasian Americans are in the NBA. Most of the Caucasians you see are Europeans. Oh, that's right. Are Europeans, Europeans, right? You know? And, and 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 because they can't they can't compete. They mm. they can't compete. You know? And and I remember coming up, one of the things that the Caucasians would say about us when we, you know, when we went upstate, 
oh, well, they playing so fast. They're out of control. You know, we're, we're more cerebral and so forth. And a lot of times, they, a lot of times those referees be cheating their ass off, calling calls that weren't there. But yet and still, the, the, the athleticism and the, and the dominance of black athletes would sometimes prevail, but sometimes not. You know? And so, yes. you know, the thing is this, you know, the, the playing field for, uh, as far as Caucasians are concerned, will never be level. Never. And we just must take advantage of our, our, our position in it, but also, too, we must recognize us being collective because if we were collective, if we were together, we could, oh, there are so many things that we could do, so many things that we could change, so many demands that we could make. You know, because if Colin Kaepernick when he took that knee, if all those other brothers decided, you know what, let us all take a knee. Every one of us. Right. Every one of us. Now we can dictate to the National Football League and to the society the things that we feel are discriminatory and what we want, not just in the football league, but in the society. We're going to sit out. Sure. We're not going to play. You know, the same uh-huh. thing with basketball and anything else. It is the fact sure. that what hurts us is that we lack unity we lack functional uh, unity exactly right brother and whenever you saying what you were just saying brother O'Shea just remind me again of my brother who was gone to the ancestors and your brother who was gone to the ancestors brother Kwame Ture yeah Carmack yes he always said and the way he would say it, the problem is organization yes organization, organization. Mm-hmm. that's the problem that's the problem and when he, and I'm gonna keep mine brief because mm-hmm. i know you might have some calls but i'm just keeping and when he, did you, he said ready for the revolution but fahim go ahead i said when he greeted you wanted to wait yes he would always say ready for the revolution. Yeah, yeah, ready for the revolution. That's right. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Because, you know, go ahead. I'm quite sure. Y'all got some calls. I'm going to shut up. No, 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 please. Go make your point. Make your point. No. No, I'm, I think, um, you know, for the second time, I'm just holding hold my comments. Okay. Okay. For the okay. Okay, well, uh, you know, some of the people they're on they're in the queue, but they don't want to. They just want to listen. Oh, okay. So yeah, they just want to listen. So go ahead, brother, Mm -hmm. brother, brother, brother Osher. In that information that you gave, uh, I mean, the the uh, the the brother speaking on the forty million dollar slate, the. Isaac Murphy came out again. I couldn't think of his name when I was talking about it, but the Kentucky Derby brother, the same thing. Isaac Murphy was, and most people have never, never even heard his name. But uh, uh, you see how they went against what it was that um, uh, the black athlete was doing, coming up with all these rules and regulations to change things and make them fit that particular situation right. in the world. And that's exactly what it was. Right. Can you imagine? If, can you imagine? Taking every black man or black one woman off every sports team in America, just mm-hmm. let black folks sit down in track and field, in baseball, in WNBA and the NBA, in the National Football League, in soccer. Just take every melanated person off the field or off the court, and what would happen in terms of the finances of this country? What would happen? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you see, if we sat out and we said, no, we're not playing, you know, 
looking at, because see, in, in the NC2A particularly, in particularly in the NC2A, the football program, the Division I football program, and the Division I basketball program, which are predominantly us, the players, the participants are predominantly us. If those brothers and sisters, and, and because it is like this, the money that is generated from those two sports finance the other sports that are dominated by Caucasians, the tennis team, the golf yes. team, the swim team. Those yes. are dominated by Caucasians that don't make no money, you know, but, yes. but, but because of what we do on the basketball court and what we do on the football field, the, the, the baseball team can look real nice and travel, the, the, the gymnastics. And so the, all of those other sports in the NCAA can, 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 can function properly because of what we do. That's why I'm yes. adamant about yes. the about the brothers and the brothers who play basketball and football on a Division One level getting some kind of compensation. I I mean yes. I've been at yes. this I've been uh, adamant about this for decades. In fact, uh, I remember having a conversation back at when I was a firefighter back in, in I don't know the 80s or whatever you know, about how this could be done, you know, how you could, you know, go into uh, recruited by a university and then you become a employee of the university. Yes. You know, and and a good example is the fabulous five up in Michigan with Chris yeah. Webber and them. Go ahead. Right. Say, right. See, and you become a, and, and, and so uh, the fact is, and, and, and this is something that uh, a few players have stated a lot of the a lot of the athletes that are in Division One particularly, they very seldom have the chance to go to class because they practice. They practice during the season. They practice all season. These cats because they want the basketball team and the football team to be top notch, so they can fill those stadiums up and they could be on TV all the time, get all those all those revenues. So those guys make that kind of sacrifice. And of course, so you yeah. saying you saying there's nothing then to do with education, brother? Ocean. No, it isn't. It isn't. It isn't. All right, we got a caller. Caller. Uh, Oji. Hey, what's up? What's up, Jay? How are you doing? I'm all right, man. I just I just tuned in, man. Um, how's everything going? It's going well, Jay. We're doing good, brother. I'm glad you called in. We're talking about. Uh, the African American African athlete and how he is exploited <laughs> and all the things that he's done. You know. That ain't even the word. Yeah. Exploited. Yeah. So that's I what mean, the- you know, he's he's compensated quite well for it. But then, you know, him as an athlete go and do some real stupid self stupid things hurt himself. Take example, this young cat, Mikel Bridges, of the. Oh Charlie man, Hornets. yeah. I mean, he just blew millions and millions of dollars, life changing money, because he can't control, control his behavior. His emotions, yeah, and control he got to put his hands on the woman. Right. So I'm happy for him. I'm happy that they go dog his ass because the simple fact is. If you can't control yourself and walk away from a woman, mm-hmm. then you deserve to blow everything you work for. 
because nobody is supposed to get you to that point psychologically to where as you jeopardize your future over some nonsense. Yeah. You know, because not only are they going to lowball them to death, they they may even do a, a Ray Rice to him. Well, no doubt. He'll be ostracized. You know, yeah, he, he won't I be mean, able to get anything, man. you know. And and that's unfortunate. That's unfortunate. And, you're and, not and, even aware. You're not even aware mentally that what you're about to do and what you're doing is going to absolutely destroy everything you don't work for because you can't control yourself. Right. You don't have that type of decency and respect within your mind to control yourself. So I'm, I'm, I hope they screw them. Well, they're and going no to, they're going to do what they're going to do. They don't want to pay anyway. Yeah, they're going to do what they're going to do, and it's unfortunate for him. You know, well, they're not doing nothing on him. Brother Fatim, you want to, you want to, you want to add something? Go ahead. One, I kind of disagree with my brother. I agree, but disagree. Tell you why? Ben Rosenberg, who was the quarterback of Pittsburgh Steelers, had two serious rape and assault charges against him. Okay, now we didn't come down the, the on Ben Rosenberg. And, and the stuff he did don't even compare to Macau Bridges. So I want to preference some of that to say, let's be careful. Um, and brother, um, Baba, you said it last week. You said. Nah, we ain't got to be careful. Hold on, Jay. Hold on. Hold on, Jay. 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 Go ahead. Hold on, Jay. Just hold on. So, Baba, you said last week they don't discipline us, they punish us. Okay? That's this is a typical situation that, you know, uh, the punishment. But Ben Rosenberg, right, part of the white culture, he got a different look. Then what? Let's, this is a young brother. Is he entitled to mistake? My answer is yes. Okay. Do I agree with what he did? The answer is no. But let's be careful to sentence him to a death sentence when these white athletes have done some terrible things also. Okay. That's my point. All right. Go ahead, Jay. And, I, and, and, and just let me chime in, too, for a quick minute, Brother Ocean. That is, I agree with Brother Fahim. The standards have always black athletes or black people, not black athletes, forget athletes, yeah. black people, people in America in, in general, as we know. It's always been a double standard in this yes. country when yes. it comes to us. Yes. We, and we can call, we, look, brother, 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 brother in, in, in Akron, Ohio, shot 60 times like an animal in the street, brother. I mean, yeah. and then, and, and nothing done about it, you see. Officers on administrative leave, you see. Yeah. These kinds of things. And we don't have to go back to Emmett Till, and I'm in Durham, North Carolina, 30 miles from Raleigh, North Carolina, where the accuser of Emmett Till, woman 90-some years old, is still living and yeah. has not been brought to justice. You yeah. see what I'm saying? Right. So I agree, Brother Fahim, 100%. Yeah. 
Go ahead, go ahead, Jay. You know the double standard is is amazing, bro. It's real, bro. It's real. Can I just finish my point? I respect yeah, you. I'm saying it's real. That's all. Go ahead. Right? Go ahead, Didn't I keep my mouth shut? Go ahead, Jay. Yeah, go ahead, bro. That's it's real. That's all. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead, Jay. The thing is, the thing is this. I don't know if both of y'all have daughters, right? Okay. The reality is, what that brother did to a black woman is inexcusable. I don't care nothing about no white boy Ben Roethlisberger's boy. I already know that he's going to be held to a different standard. My issue is this. This is a black man who beat a black woman in front of his children. You understand what I'm saying? Which makes him a pathetic coward. And a pathetic coward should never be rewarded for his behavior. And no way in God's green earth, if you don't have the discipline, the understanding to not do what he did to that sister, then you deserve whatever you get. Now, Ben Roethlisberger, hey, whatever they did to him, they did to him. Yeah, he was suspended. He... A black man is never going to be treated in the same fashion. Yeah. But a black man has to be more intelligent and behave in a different fashion than that white boy is. And we can't make excuses for the black man when he go about the business of putting his hands on somebody's daughter. Because I believe, brother, if he beat your daughter like that, I don't think you would be happy about it. I don't think you would make no excuses for his black ass. So why now, because it ain't your daughter, you make excuses for him? No, I don't think, Jay. Hold on, Jay. Hold on, Jay. We're not making excuses for him. We're trying right. to, no, believe me now, we're not condoning what he did. In fact, if you know who this brother is, he is a big brother. He is a muscular brother. He weighs about 220, 230, you know. I mean, jumps out the gym. He, he is, he's a hell of an athlete. But there is no excuse for what he did at all. And we're definitely not condoning it, you know. But we do know that these double standards exist within the society and in sports as well. Brother Fahim, you got something? But you know what's so funny? Oh, let me just say this right quick. Okay. You know what's so funny when we talk about double standards? I'm going to give you a perfect double, stand, uh, double standard that we just let go along to get along and don't say anything about it. The monkey man twisted sister bill that was passed in Congress yesterday to protect them freaks from getting married. But here it is. Nobody did the necessary thing to codify Roe versus Wade when they knew that it was going to happen. So there's always double standards when it benefits those who's at the head of the Ferris wheel. So when, when people start talking about double standards to me, I just laugh. I find it to be quite funny. But it's amazing how nobody's up in arms about the monkey man getting codification and the civil rights bill, the George Ford bill, and no other bill pertaining to black folk ever gets codification. Man, something is wrong with us. Well, Something is wrong with us. You know what the saddest thing about us as black people is? 
our priorities are twisted. No, we no Jay. We believe in this system, just like all those other Negroes were crying. You know, uh, 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 all, all those other Negroes were were uh, crying. You know, like Doc Rivers. You know, we love this country, and they don't love us back. And, but that's a that's a sad that's a sad fact. Well, of course, but 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 that's the point I'm making is is that uh, this society will do what it wants to. I got another caller. Let me get this caller in. Uh, hey, my brother, how you doing? Irv, what's happening? Yeah. Hey, brother Oshie, can you hear me? I sure can. Go ahead. Brother Oshie, I, I was just listening. Brother Jay is, 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 is amazing. I, I, I love his points. I, um, but when we start talking, especially when we are talking with uh, elders, uh, we, we do have to be respectful, for one, yes. because um, uh, you've, you've seen, you've forgotten more things than I'm going to ever remember. I can... I tell you that, I, and I'm just listening to what they're saying, and it's so enlightening. But when we, as a as a people, start to uh, call names and, and and say things that are wrong, we all know what's wrong. We all know the problem. And when I listen to your show, I get more solutions than I get anything else. Even just in the revolutionary talk that you say before you start speaking, that right there helps me to get to a solution. We know the problem. We could talk about the bad things that white people have done all day, every day. Yeah. But what, but, but what, I, but what your show gives me personally is solutions. And, and when we start saying things like all and, and black people and those types of things, that doesn't apply. Because right. That's it's, true. We all, That's true. we all have to walk our own journey, but we also have to be united without uniformity. And, mm-hmm. and I heard that on your show. Yeah. From the, the, black, the, the yeah. conference is coming up. Right. So we can jump all over the place on what Roethlisberger did and, and, and what this cat did and what Ray Rice did and how these white people are taking our livelihoods away. But at the end of the day, it's what you say in the beginning of the show, Oshi. It's Pan-Africanism or Paris. Exactly. Unify. And that's the truth. Unify or die. Or, or die. That's right. Or die. In mm-hmm. fact, it, it's, no, it's no more than that. Mm-hmm. This is entertainment. We can go on. I, I know about Dem Marvizi. I know about Harriet Tubman. I know about Frederick Douglass. Fantastic. But mm-hmm. what we going to do now? That's right. Because these <laughs> white people are playing chess. That's right. Come on now. We're right. playing. They're, they are 10 years, 20 years down the road. They knew Roe versus Wade was going to be overturned. They, they got another Donald Trump in the incubator right now. Mm. Al mm. Alamey yep. Donald Trump. Yeah. That's not <laughs> our issue. Yeah, we got you, know, you know the truth. Mm-hmm. You know the truth of the matter is, and mm-hmm. think about this, brothers. Just think mm-hmm. about this. Seven hundred and fifty thousand women signed a petition about Roe versus Wade. Right now, now I want you to think about this, and we could apply this to black folks too. Right. Those 750,000 women are being pushed to do what the white man and these crazy Negroes push us to do every single day. Vote. But here go the chess move that the white girl, the white boy, and the white man and white people ain't even going to play. That if it's played, it would change the dynamic. If those 750,000 white women 
think about this, decided that they was going to take a product out of each of these states that are pushing this Roe versus Wade thing Mm -hmm. and stop buying them for two or three months. You don't think that they would not change Roe versus Wade, but they would put forward the necessary amendment to whereas they would keep Roe versus Wade, but they would not force a 10-year-old child, rape victims, atopic pregnancies, and things of that nature to go forward. Because believe me, even though these white women are upset about Roe versus Wade, they're probably more upset about them not making the necessary amendment to keep a woman from dying right. or keeping the baby right. from getting and they should. those type of services. Yeah. But, but just think about the point. If those 750,000 women in each state decided to boycott a, 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 a product, the biggest problem, let's say Coke or Pepsi or something like that, you don't think that within a couple of months they'll make the necessary amendments? Well, think a lot about of t- that. well, a lot of times they do adhere to uh, economic economic boycotts. I mean, after all, we've staged them too to some success and to sometimes not. But the bottom line is is that uh, they were moving in that direction. They have been adamantly moving in that direction. I didn't think there would be that mean spirit to say that uh, no, we're not going to. Allow abortions. We're not going to. That mean spirited. Well, no, no. You don't Especially, think the white man no, would be. No, what's wrong with hold you? Hold on. No, Jay, listen to me, man. Listen to me, man. I'm saying in today's society to say no. You you're not going to have an abortion in any uh, 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 rape, incest, atopic pregnancy, none of that. See, because even the other day, uh, the this young lady, she a uh, number of uh, gynecologists and doctors told her that this child that's, that you are carrying at this moment is the defects of this child is so bad that when the child comes out, if we got to deliver it by cesarean section, will die within a matter of, of days or two. And so she decided to abort the child. And those who are adamantly said, no, you should not abort it. No, the damn child's going to die. But yet, in her that's mind, she says, no. These white folks are. Exactly. So that's the point I'm making, Jay. Do you get my point on yeah. what I'm saying? The, I mean, to answer this question, I got four elders on the phone. Name me, when was the last time there was a successful economic boycott? Come on, man. It's taking y'all too long. Come on. <laughs> no, but think about it. Think about it. When was the last one? It's been, it's probably been over 50-some years. Yeah, the bus boycott. Don't the white the man bu- and the- black leadership know that yeah. that's the key? Think about it. In 1955, the bus boycott. The economic boycott. The bus boycott. In okay, 50, so 1955. 50-some years ago? 55. Oh, 50, longer than that. Longer than that, 55. Okay, it's almost 70 so, years. Don't you think, don't you think Crumb Daddy Al Sharpton and... The rest of those Negroes know that, but they never implemented why. Why? Think about these things. All they do is push the boat. And the thing is, what makes it so egregious and nobody's honest about it, if you put a black person in office, what do you get? Maxine Waters? 
Jim Clyburn, and the rest of these who do what? What do they do? Yeah. Do you have a can, can I got four elders on this phone with me right now? Name me a functioning black community in the United States. Elders. Yeah. See these mm-hmm. are the things that we don't we don't really honestly have discussions about and we don't honestly challenge and we don't try to put forward the change of the paradigm. You know why? Because our leadership is in cahoots with these devils. Right, because we have... They're about helping us. Right, you're right. Well, listen, we're at the top of the hour, Jay. I want to give uh, Dr. Bruce Bridges and and Brother Fahim a, a, a last word on this. And we'll be back on Friday. Thanks a lot, Brother Irv. Appreciate you and yes, all sir. those who have called. Yes. Uh, Dr. Bridges, go ahead. Oh, Brother Fahim, why don't you go ahead? Yes, I'd like to, I just, I, I just like to quickly just quote uh, uh, Frederick Douglass, and that is, we as people, whatever we do, we have to continuously agitate, agitate, agitate. And so for the lack yes. of time, I'll leave it at that. All right. Yes. My, my, last, my last statement is this. Carter G. Woodson said, we, can, we cannot achieve nothing unless we properly educate the Negro. That's right. The Negro yeah. has been thoroughly miseducated. That's right. Written in 1933. I leave you with that. All right. Uh, Dr. Maxwell, Dr. Maxwell, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Uh, uh, since you just got on, I don't know if you want to give us the last word. We're about ready to get up out of here. I know that my brother Fahim Knight and Bruce Bridges turned it out and gave us a lot of good information. Yes, yes, they did. And we have to now put into practice what they taught us today. All right. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Brothers and sisters, I appreciate this. I appreciate this opportunity as always. And I thank you. I did too, brother, brother Osha. And we'll talk about it later. But brother okay. Fahim said, maybe we need to come on on a regular one, brother Osha. That's right. Discussion. That's, I like that. But listen, brothers, let me get let me get in my closing and then we'll be out of here. We, we end this program like we end all of our programs with the words of Stephen Biko. The most potent weapon in the hands of the oppressor is the mind's of the oppressed. This program is dedicated and committed to helping to free the African mind. But not just the M-I-N-D, but the M-I-N-E, because under the feet of African people lies all of the resources that everybody wants, Mm -hmm. think they can't do without, and they sure in hell don't want to pay for it. Brothers and sisters, you have a blessed and wonderful day. Hope to see you on Friday. Shimhotep means go in peace. Asante Sana means thank you. Bivahodie! Before it means our victorious destiny. Brothers and sisters, we will be victorious. Take care, family. Peace. All right. Okay. Okay.